Ahoy Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian, with me as always is Chris. We are uh, recording this on Thursday evening, the winter meetings have officially wrapped up. Uh, the Mets made two minor moves, uh, I guess maybe they're... I guess they could be major moves because this is the Mets, though neither move is necessarily major from a, you know, this is making a splash type move or a, uh, you know, uh, this will greatly impact the team next year. But the team signed two starting pitchers to major league contracts, the first being uh, Michael Waka, who was signed for a one-year deal with a uh, $3 million base salary, but he could make up to $10 million with incentives. And the second is the signing of uh, often rumored this offseason and uh, something Chris called, I think in June, Rick Porcello to a one-year deal. And I believe the one-year deal is worth $10 million. Um Let's try and talk about these in a vacuum first. Just in terms of these are players the Mets now have. Do yeah. either one of these deals... I want to say makes sense, because the Mets need depth, and if they're just depth... Do either of these players excite you as, as potential 2020 Mets? Uh, well, Porcello doesn't. <laughs> but... Waka kind of does. I mean, he's not, I don't know. To be clear, he hasn't been that guy who everybody probably remembers trying to pick up on their fantasy team. Um, right, yeah. You know, back three, four years ago. Granted, his 2018 season was very much abbreviated. It was only 15 starts, uh, 84 and a third innings. But that, that season went well, too. I guess there's just... There's more of a track record of good performance when he does pitch. Um, <clears throat> you know, he had his warts in 2019. Um, he's not perfect, but I don't know. Three million base salary. Uh, that's, I mean, it's the Mets, but that's not something that should kill any any team. <laughs> and he's he's 28. Um, He's just he's more exciting than Porcello to me, and between him and Steven Matz, you kind of figure. And, and I know Matz has been a little bit more durable um, over the last what two years. Yeah, and I mean by his standards, he has he has certainly been more durable. Uh, but between the two of them, you you could probably say it's going to be fairly reliable that you could get somewhere between 33 and 35 starts combined. If, if you were looking at the two of them that way. Sure. Uh, yeah. So uh, we'll see exactly how, how it all shakes out. But in isolation, the Waka deal isn't a bad one uh, at all. Uh, to me, if, if you sort of catch lightning in a bottle with them, that, Hey, that that's great and if he's pitching enough innings that he's making those incentives along the way um it, things are probably in an okay place with him whether it's performance or health that you're talking about so 
I have no expectation that he's going to leapfrog the other guys who are already on the roster or who were already on the roster at the time that he signed. Um, but yeah, I, I will say there's no, there's no one trait that jumps out at you. Um, you look at strikeout and walk rates and he's not terrible in terms of walks, but it, he's not amazing at limiting those. And he's not a big strikeout guy. It, if you had somebody with the same other stats, ERA, FIP, DRA, if that's your thing, uh, and like a super high strikeout rate, that, that would be a more exciting pitcher. But I don't know. I can get on board with Waka himself on this deal. Um, Porcello for $10 million, I, I don't quite get that when you're a team that as of a few days ago, was acting like it could not add any money. And I think the expectation is still that they're going to try to shed some salary, at least Jed Lowry's, yes, to make up for these two guys uh, having been signed. Um, I don't think any Mets fans will miss Jed Lowry. I don't think they would know how. <laughs> There's nothing to miss. Fair enough. And I always liked him as a player. Last winter, when we talked to you know to Eno about it, it was like, oh man, super like smart player, good hitter, all this. And he'd had his injury issues over the years, but it was never missed a full season with vague injury kind of right. issues. Um, but yeah, Porcello, I, I don't know. I I've been I've been running around this evening before recording, but the team didn't make anything official yet, right? I do not believe so, no. Okay. I mean, we, we have, all we have know. We've got an email about it. Let's put it Usually, when these things become official, we get an email from the team about it. Yeah. Um, and they have not sent an email about either move yet. Yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, to the extent that I've seen, kept up with Twitter, I didn't see that either. So, we know that when that official announcement comes, they are 100% going to mention that Rick Porcello won a Cy Young Award. Yes. And, you know, he had a really good year that year. Whether or not you, you think it should have been his award or, or Justin Verlander's is its own debate. But the important thing is that that is the outlier for him uh, by far. He, I mean, he was there when the Red Sox, he, he won the Cy Young. He was there for uh, and, and an active part of a World Series winning team. But this is a guy who's, whose numbers, I don't know, Sort of resemble like late Bartolo Colon's, without any of the fun. Yeah, I mean they were at very different ages. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. In their most recent seasons, uh, Bartolo in twenty eighteen had a five point seven eight ERA. <clears throat> Porcello five point five two. Uh, to his credit, Porcello strikes out more guys than than Cologne, uh, and he, he is pretty good with walk rate, so that's that's nice. But I don't know. I for me, I, I know he's got. So I mean, his best trait obviously is his durability. Um, his innings totals have been somewhat down just because he hasn't been as good at pitching. So he's I, I haven't looked in depth, but presumably he's not. Uh, as efficient at getting through innings as his <laughs> runs allowed have gone up. Right. Um, 
the dude's made at least 27 starts. Uh, that, that was his low. Most years he's made 31, 32, or 33 every year for a long time. And I know there's value in that. Uh, but I'm more intrigued by what the Giants signed Gaussman for, which was 1-9. So essentially the same contract. Uh, higher risk. Uh, he was he was brutal this year. Uh, I think even more brutal than Porcello was. But I don't know. Just a little sexier. Like there's a there's just a little more to Gaussman maybe being that guy who could bounce back and and be somewhat of an electric pitcher and and somebody who you'd go out to watch. Um, depending on how they shake things out here with the rotation as a whole. You know, there are still at least two or three and maybe four pitchers who you'd go like, oh, wow, I'm excited to go to City Field today because he's pitching. Uh-huh. But uh, Porcello and, and Waka. Waka could, I guess, earn that. And, and hey, maybe Porcello makes all of us look dumb. And he comes out, uh, you know, on fire and has a another three-point-something ERA season and, and uh, people are into it. But, yeah, so in complete isolation, because we'll, we'll touch on the pitchers the Mets didn't sign, I think. <laughs> I, 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 I'm on board with the Waka contract. The Porcello one is sort of to me, like, I would have rather signed two or three of the relievers who have already signed for two, three million per year. I would have rather used Porcello's 10 for three of those guys. Yeah, I can't argue with that logic. Um, so here is my Porcello opinion, which is not a hot take whatsoever. Um, I don't think it was the wisest signing they've ever made. Um, I think that, again, if you're just looking at the player in isolation, if he's going to be their fifth starter, that's not the end of the world. You know, you're, you're bringing him from the American League into the National League, which is, you know, a, a less offensively driven league. So you can expect some of his numbers to improve just based on that change. I also think that there is, um, you know, going from playing your home games in Fenway to playing your home games at City Field is a different story as well. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if his numbers tick up a bit this season because of those factors. Uh, I'm not saying those are good reasons to sign him. I just think you might see an improvement in... Um, in results because of that. I think if they signed Michael Waka by himself, we would all be saying that's too risky of a move. I think if they signed just Porcello by himself, we'd say Porcello sucks. I think if you take these two moves together, you're beginning to see what could be an actual attempt at starting pitching depth. Now, we're going to talk about why that's probably not the case in a minute. But again, just like in a vacuum, signing two lower-tier starters, both of whom have great seasons in their past, and not their, you know, not their immediate past, but not ancient history either. Like you said, Waka had a very good 2018, and I believe Porcello won the Cy Young in 2016, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, 2016. So, you know, it, it's a couple years removed for each of them, but it's not like they haven't been good 
since the Bush administration or anything like that. You know, they're both yeah. in, in the <laughs> relatively recent past. And so I think that in terms of gambles, they're not bad gambles to take. I think Porcello got too much money. Uh, and I hope that we're not seeing both these guys in the rotation at the same time. But I think if you had one of them as the fifth starter and one of them as a swing man, that's, that's a, those are useful players to have on your team. I'm not totally opposed to that concept. What I am absolutely opposed to is the rumor that was, I believe, first reported by Ken Rosenthal, who yep. said, uh, and I want to read this uh, directly here. Um, let's see, where did I put this? Additions of Porcello, Waka give Mets depth to possibly move a starter, perhaps in combination with a high-priced player in his walk year. Lowry, or in a much less likely scenario, Cespedes. Goal will be to address other needs. A young catcher, for example. This is a fucking bad idea, and there's no other way to put it. I don't care which of the four starters you're talking about. All of these four starters have so much more upside than Porcello or Waka. And, with the exception of DeGrom, all of them are making less than Porcello for a year, correct? Uh, yeah. Did make I, over 10 this year? No, I, I don't think... Hold on, let's just double-check the uh, arbitration estimates. Syndergaard might get close, um, but I don't think anybody's projected to get <clears throat> uh, more than 10 in in their arbitration projections. So check the old spreadsheets. Oh, Stroman's projection is 11, 11.75. Now, the projections tend to be really good. Um, I'm looking at COTS. I think they source these from MLG, MLB trade rumors. I think everybody does because they've done a good job uh, at sort of nailing this. Um, so that project Stroman at 11.75 and Syndergaard at 9.5. So, okay, so yeah. so slightly more than Porcello. But if if the idea is to tra- – I, I understand that the, the starters the Mets are talking about trading are more appealing to other teams, and so that's why you trade them. I understand how trades work, but I just don't understand why you think you can build a winning team with getting rid of one of those pitchers. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. Yeah. It, <clears throat> let's just hope that <laughs> it's not something they go through with. Um, you know, sort of, uh, yeah, depressing enough that they might have to package um, either a prospect or... Or a Dom Smith. Right. Where you're getting probably a lesser return... Because you're giving up Dom Smith uh, alongside Lowry or or maybe Familia, um, I, I really don't expect them to make any trades out of their bullpen, um, whether that's good or not. But <laughs> yeah, it, you you can't you can't go from okay we had uh, four major league starters to now we have six. But two of them have spotty histories in terms of uh, health and pitching full seasons. And, uh, you know, even even in the best of years, which health-wise, the Mets rotation just had an incredible year. They, yes. they, 
barely had a dip outside of that. Um, they were largely still able to make that crazy run in this season because they didn't have to go to Walker Lockett. Um, they didn't have to go to Chris Flexen that much. Uh, I, I don't even remember if Flexen actually made a start this year, but whether it was Lockett or Ganya or those guys, it, the vast majority of the starts were being made by the five guys who were in the rotation to start the season. Um, without any catastrophes, you could still have a couple guys miss some time. So, you know, even even like a mild oblique thing or a hamstring, that sort of thing can expose your, your lack, of de- lack of depth very quickly. Now, I think if Matt's is the guy who's starting the season with the bullpen, he's not going to be happy about it. Right. Um, I, I respect that competitive drive, and I know that it's just a, very, a different universe compared to the one that we all work in. But it's, uh, I don't know, he, he, it's just he's never struck me as a guy. And, and the, I, the notion of him going to the bullpen came up, and I'm pretty sure he gave on-the-record quotes that were very unenthusiastic about it. But he's never struck me as the guy to, to say, like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm here to do what's best for the team, uh, and I'll, I'll take that role. And, hey, every player has the right to, to look out for himself. I, I, I don't begrudge them that. I just, I don't know if he's going to be a, I don't think he's going to be Matt Harvey about it, but I, I think he could be uh, somewhat angry if he's the one who's who's doing that role. Even though you see pitchers who you see Andrew Miller, um, you see Drew Pomeranz just capitalized with a good, a pretty great contract for himself after years of sort of struggling and then dominating once he was that full time reliever. Um, I think Stephen Matz could be really, really good as a two- or three-inning reliever who can let it fly um, a, a little bit more in those outings than he might in his his starts. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's that's my math spiel. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that there's a lot of wisdom in that. However, it seems absurd to me that you would rather put Michael Waka in a position to pitch 30 times for the Mets, to make 30 starts for the Mets, versus putting Matts in that position. Yeah. I don't disagree that I think Matts' stuff could play up in the bullpen, and I think if you if you acquired um, Rick Porcello and Garrett Cole, maybe you could make that argument. But I just don't see a world where where Matt's has less upside than Waka. Unless Waka comes out, you know, just throwing fire and is looking incredible, then you do what you gotta do. But I don't think I just I can't see Matt's being the less important option to put out there. Just from a player development standpoint, from a fan base standpoint, from a maximizing your assets standpoint, I don't see how he's not the surefire fourth starter for this team. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you mentioned wanted to talk about some pitchers that the Mets didn't sign. Who do you want to talk about in particular? <laughs> well, Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg. And 
Yeah. It's the, the fact that the Mets have conditioned their fans to not expect that kind of thing does not mean they shouldn't be in on it. Um, and as much as people like to mock, we tried, they should at the very least actually be trying to, to sign these guys. Uh, I think some Mets fans have Stockholm syndrome, uh, and, and ownership in general in baseball has done a very good job of convincing fans that players making a lot of money is bad and risky. Um, even with the Yankees making the Cole signing, I, it wasn't every Yankee fan I know, but there were some Yankees fans, whether online or in real life, who expressed apprehension about the contract. And I'm like, you, you know you were for the Yankees, right? And baseball, <laughs> baseball is swimming in money, and the Yankees were printing it before and after the whole sport started swimming in it. Who cares? Like 30, whatever, 37-year-old Garrett Cole and you're seven or eight of the deal um, uh, might not be worth $36 million. Yeah, we know. <laughs> like, yeah, no shit. It, who cares? It, it doesn't matter. It's not your money. It's not, you know, it's not driving ticket prices. Uh, the, the Yankees are a well-oiled machine. Um, so, yeah, I... I know that's something that's common. I think it's probably a little more common with Mets fans who have gotten so used to uh, sort of having to work their own AOPs in their brain all the time yeah, uh-huh. about, oh, okay, all right, we've got this. This is the the limit. You know, how can we make the team better? And if you've been conditioned to that, then you, you'd say, oh, man, $36 million to a pitcher. Uh, like, I'm going to be – stuck i'm gonna i'm not gonna have any room to make this team better and that's just an artificial limit uh and yeah the mets should have been in on those guys even if they had offered the exact same deals and those guys chose other teams they should have had some interest uh instead they downplayed interest in even like Bumgarner. obviously they weren't interested in wheeler um and yeah, it's uh, it's just I don't know. I don't know when the sale of the team will be finalized, um, but it would be nice to have owners with the capacity, or an owner, uh, I should say, with the capacity to say, "Hey, those elite free agents, I'm I'm open to signing them. Maybe I'm not giving you a blank check." Uh, but I'm open to signing those guys and we have the resources to do it. Uh, go out there, be involved, meet with every one of them, you know, get a feel for that situation and what they're demanding and, and we'll consider it realistic. We really will consider going after that kind of player. Um, then I think this winter, it's easier for some like coming from the way I felt last winter and now with these signings having happened. Uh, and Anthony Rendon shouldn't be left out of the conversation, even though we're really focusing on pitching. Uh, but last winter you had Machado and Harper who were both extremely young for being free agents and the Mets weren't even remotely interested or faking uh, that they had tried or anything. You know, it, it, they they ruled that stuff out. They ruled this stuff out again. Um, there there was a time 
Carlos Beltran, the player, there was a time that they would be willing to go out there and, and get the best free agent. I, I I don't remember the full free agent class of that year, but I can't imagine anybody was better than Carlos Beltran. No, they got Pedro that year too, don't forget. Yes. And granted, that was, you know, later phase Pedro, but that's fine. He was still... It was it was Pedro coming off the World Series. Oh, yes, that's right. Like, while it was later phase Pedro, it was... It was the highest profile, Pedro. Yeah. They essentially did they did what the Mets would never do today, which is for they bought into the hype for two players that had incredible postseasons. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> In a way, were the Mets ahead of the trend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it, they they went after those guys and uh I mean, their their tenures went well, even even if the Wilpons had a bad taste in their mouth uh, about any of it. I mean, Pedro really had the one fantastic year, um, the the 2005 season. Yep. Where you're just like, ah, man, if he could have slid that year into 2006, they probably win the World Series. Yes. Um. And it's it's weird when you think of the 06 Mets. Pedro is this iconic guy. Uh. And one of the best to have ever pitched in the game, but it, it, the position players were just so freaking good. And also, he didn't he didn't shine that year in the in the way he had the year before. But he he's not in like the first ten names that come to mind for me for that that team. No, not at all. <laughs> um, and he's just you know just one of the best pitchers ever. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I hope. There is a day that the Mets would be involved with these kind of players when they hit the the open market, um, and and I I hope equally that they keep their own guys who are on that level around. You know, it, I still I would love to see them. I'd be open to seeing Stroman uh, signed to an extension. I would try to sign Syndergaard to an extension. You know, maybe trying to capitalize on the fact that he had a bit of a down year, but we all know he's really great. Um, I know not all Met fans feel that way, but yeah, uh, I, I know that Garrett Cole's contract sounds insane. And it probably is in some way, but that's where the game is right now. Right. And the, the fact, the fact that the Yankees signed him to that deal, um, one good for them. They wanted the guy. They were willing to do it. <clears throat> they know the risk they're taking. Um, they know what they've been missing, really, uh, over the last few years. And they've seen what he can do as an opponent uh, in, in, you know, in the American League uh, over the last couple of years. So good for them for doing it. It, it might not help the overall angle that I would like to see pushed and, and become more popular opinion among fans that any one of these teams could afford to do that well yeah of of course they could no one wants to hear that but i mean we talked about this a little bit uh last week you know the wilpons are worth 500 million dollars obviously they're not going to put every penny into the team but they wouldn't have to to make the team considerably more 
competitive with free agency. The, the you know the teams make so much money from every home game played and even every away game due to television rights and all of that. The teams are making money hand over fist. There is no reason that every single team could not afford to go out and give Garrett Cole that same contract. There's an argument to be made that you shouldn't give him that contract, and I'm willing to hear that argument, but there's not, to me, there's not a valid argument to say that you shouldn't give players those kind of contracts. I'm not saying you have to sign every player to a huge deal, but every team can afford to pay the player of their choice the equivalent of that contract. Yep. <laughs> All right. Any other winter meetings uh, chatter you want to get to? Um, I'm just thinking over. Oh, yeah. So tying all the pitching stuff together, Brody Van Wagenen coming up with a, 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 maybe the new worst uh, spin the Mets have ever issued. And that's, that's saying something. But when he came up with the uh, the notion that, well, now that we have these two guys, it's like Robert Gazelman and Seth Lugo are additions to the bullpen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what the fuck are you talking about, Brody? Yeah, no. Nope. Nope. No, you're not an addition when you served in that role exclusively all of this year and, and uh, even going back farther than that. Um, yeah, that doesn't fly. So I, could, I don't know. I could understand... <laughs> If the argument he was going to make was now that we don't have to replace them in the bullpen, we can we can spend more money. We can spend money on fewer, better players. Right? If if you had to replace one of them in the in the bullpen, then you're going after uh, making up this number five pitchers instead of four pitchers for the bullpen. So if, if he said, now that we don't have to replace them, that means that we only have to go after four players. We can spend more on those four players and get four more quality players versus try and stretch our dollar to get five instead of four. I'm not saying that's a good argument, but that one at least makes a little bit more sense than yeah. this. Uh, no, just kidding. Not really. uh their additions because they're not subtractions. It's not even addition by subtraction. It's addition by nothing. <laughs> it's addition by uh, by staying still by standing still. Yep. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's a bleak comment. <laughs> it is. Ugh. But yeah, hey, the Mets did more at the winter meetings than I thought they would, and they didn't make any franchise-destroying transactions in the process. Uh, they, you know, I'd prefer the risk, but they, they, didn't, they didn't do anything that was, in isolation, totally stupid. Um, they might. They might do it at some point soon or, or before the next you know season gets underway, but... Uh, so far, they have not. So, for that, I guess we should celebrate. Yay. <laughs> so, tell us, Chris, what is your music pick for this week? Uh, when I haven't been talking, I've been trying to figure that out all episode. <laughs> <laughs> I will go with 
Uh, and I'm just totally going to, it's um, a band that was referred to me by a few friends uh, called Uranium Club. They might have a longer version of their name too. Um, like the, they're, they're British, I think, but it's like the Minnesota or the Minneapolis something, something Uranium Club. On Spotify, it's just Uranium Club. Uh, and they put out a record this year called The Cosmo Cleaners. So if anybody, I, I've only listened to it once or twice, uh, and then also an album from 2017 called All of Them Naturals, but I'll make the one from this year, being that we're near the end of the year, the recommendation, uh, the Cosmo Cleaners. If anybody has listened to all of these recommendations, um, the band Cat Scan that I recommended uh, late summer, when their uh, when their album came out, this band and that band could be uh, band siblings. So uh, I haven't listened to it enough to say I'm totally in love with it or whatever yet. But if if I like the other one, uh, this one is a pretty good fit. So I'll go with that for my recommendation. For those that don't remember what that other record sounds like, give us a little bit of a description of what this album is. Uh Okay, well, well, Cat Scan I described as parquet courts on speed with like a heavy influence of Minutemen, um, and I think there's definitely a I wouldn't say the parquet courts on speed part, but like a, a slightly weirder Minutemen um, kind of sound, um, like punk, but with I, I'm sure there's an actual term for this that I just don't know, but like punk with like a little artsy twist to it or like a little extra, you know, avant-garde isn't really the right word, but the spirit of that maybe. Yeah, um, let's call it art punk. Yeah. That's probably, that's probably the best way to describe it. You know, sophisticated punk, I guess. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Check these guys out. I'm, I'm learning them too, but give them a shot. All right, so I'm going to do a double shot here. Um, it's two records by the same rhythm section, but with a different uh, third member. Um, this is the uh, the first album is by the longstanding jazz trio, The Bad Plus. Uh, they changed pianists about a year and a half ago, I think. Uh, but this is their second album with this new lineup. It's called Activate Infinity. I think it's a stronger record than the last one they did with the new pianist, and uh, I, I'm a big fan of the Bad Plus. They they got famous for doing a bunch of covers. They famously covered "Smells Like Teen Spirit" and uh, "Valoria" by the Pixies and "Iron Man" by um, Black Sabbath. But they have they've sort of shied away from that in the last couple of years, and have, I've always enjoyed their originals more. Uh, but this is. Um, they're, they're sort of digging into their past on this album. Two of the tracks that are on this album, they've played live for many, many years uh, before recording them. And uh, I think that the, that the new the, 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 the new member of the band, um, Oren Evans, is, uh, is less of a chaotic piano player than their first piano player, Ethan Iverson. And so I, I sort of miss the chaos in the band, but the, these songs are really strong. And the performances are great. Uh, drummer Dave King and bassist Reed Anderson are in another band called Golden Valley Is Now, 
which also released an album this year. It's the first Golden Valley is Now record. And uh, it is, um, they have traded out a piano player for a like an electronic synth player. So it's it's not totally different. That we, like, you know, they are, you know, Anderson and, uh, and King write all the songs on this. And so if you're familiar with their composition style from Bad Plus Records or their solo stuff, it doesn't sound dissimilar to that, but the electronic element is very different, and Reed Anderson plays an electric bass on this as opposed to an upright bass. Um, but I really like both records a lot. I think they both, they show how... Uh, how how much variety King and Anderson can bring to these projects. Um, I would say if you haven't heard, if you're not a jazz person as much, the Golden Valley is now record is a better place to start because it's a little bit more in line with, I guess, some other genres other than jazz, although there's obviously a heavy jazz influence on it, whereas the Bad Plus record is like a straight-up piano trio uh, jazz record. So yeah, th- those are my uh, my dual picks for this week. Activate Infinity by The Band Plus, and the self-titled Golden Valley is Now record. And uh, that, I guess, will do it for another installment of Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. Thank you so much for listening. We truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, Our release schedule will probably be a little bit weird the next few weeks because of the holidays, but we'll be back with our year-end spectacular, if nothing else, in a few weeks. Um, you can go to AmazingAvenue.com where we've had tons and tons of winter meetings content with uh, some more popping up today and tomorrow. You can also find Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can email the show at aaaudiopodcast at gmail.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Stitcher, on Spotify. Wherever your podcasts are found, you can find us. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris McShane. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. And until next time, let's go with this.